Ooh, trouble in paradise here for Josh Lambeau. All right, welcome to the Drunken Jaguar. This is Bentley, and Ased is joining me via call after the Jaguars' 23-13 loss to the Denver Broncos this past Sunday. Ased and I live in Denver. We watched at a local sports bar. Uh, we definitely rubbed it in for about three plays, <laughs> and then the rest was uh, Denver Broncos victory. A couple stories from this game. Trevor Lawrence, rookie quarterback, didn't personally look terrible, but completed much less than half of his pass attempts on Sunday, throwing for 14 completions out of 33 attempts, 118 yards, a touchdown, and uh, now kind of notoriously two interceptions, bringing his season total to five. Our rushing game didn't really rebound from week one, where people were criticizing the lack of carries for James Robinson now in his second year. Robinson only had 11 carries this Sunday for 47 yards, and Carlos High just a couple carries for for seven. Receiving core, ooh, mm, we'll get to that one in a second. And our defense overall played a little bit better than the previous Sunday against the Houston Texans. Uh, We had three sacks on the day but still a lot of room for improvement. So, I said, our first question today is, is this season a wash? The Jags are now 0-2. There's been a little bit of improvement between Week 1 and Week 2, but we we definitely don't look like a team that's ready to pull off a victory anytime soon. Is this season a wash, pun intended, Todd Wash, RIP? Oh, my goodness. Well, first off, was that improvement? Would you call that improvement? I wouldn't call that improvement. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say the season is wash yet. Why? Because there's 17 games. So pretend like only two, two of the 17 are gone, right? You still have 15 games to play. And I know Shaq Griffin mentioned this in his post-game meeting with the media. He said, we still got to stick together for 15 games. Like we can't just give up after two games. And I totally agree with that. It is way too early. If we're 0-7, 0-8, sure, we can talk about next season, but it's too early. I saw people throwing out mock drafts of like O-linemen and stuff. I was like, are you crazy? You're two games in. It's ridiculous. Shaq Griffin, by the way, is leading the league in glorious near interceptions. Oh, he should have had that one. That would have been cool. That would have been a great interception. Okay, well then, so looking at the season sort of still on the big picture here, Trevor Lawrence, our beloved first-round pick, first, first pick, first pick, first pick, first pick, is out there, I mean, you know, putting up enough good throws to where people around the league still seem optimistic. I met your friend uh, Anilo, is that right? Yep, that's correct. He's feeling good about him. I know that. Oh, he was all about him, man. He was like, you know, this was this was, you know, all fun and games today to watch the Broncos beat the Jaguars, but you guys definitely have some potential for next season. I can't disagree, man, watching him. But still, it's very disappointing to see both a lot of these throws just not make it to their receiver for whatever reason, but but a shit ton of drops by our Jaguars receiving core, which we kind of have to own up to it here if we're talking about own it, own it, own it. Well, what we got to own is that every time we talked about Jaguars receivers in the last seven months, we're like, oh, that's easily our best position group on the team. So what the hell is going on with our passing game? 
So we thought, right? We thought we had a solid receiving core, but I don't think anyone thought that we had like a star standout receiver because we thought that about DJ Chark a couple years ago. But after last year, I think we fell back on that a little bit. We had, we thought LaVisca Chenault was going to improve a lot, right? Over the off season, we thought he's going to be a a major weapon. I saw even like fantasy football drafts. A lot of people were taking him early because they thought he was going to touch the ball a lot and just have a crazy good season. And right now, it looks like Marvin Jones is the only guy that can get open, for one. And he's the only guy that can catch the ball. And it looks like he's the only one Trevor Lawrence wants to throw to. Doesn't it seem like that? Because every time you look up, it's going to Marvin Jones. He's the only receiver that had a good game last week, for sure, right? Well, I mean, a lot of our passing game, the stat, the, the bare-bones stats that we have were from that first drive as well, which culminated in a Marvin Jones uh, touchdown. But that's about it. Uh, no one can get open. They, we keep talking about we need some speed at the receiving position, and we don't have it. Like Marvin Jones, sure, he's got a little bit of speed. And DJ Chark, I mean, we know he has speed, but I don't know what's going on with him. And LaVisca's just not quick. You saw them put in uh, that Johnson guy. I can't remember his first name. That's a guy they put in for speed because they know they're slow on the outside. Pete Prisco kept saying this on you know Jaguars Happy Hour. He's like, the receivers don't win. And it's making Trevor Lawrence's life really hard. You know, they're not getting open. So for him, he has to try to throw them open, which is not as easy in the NFL like it was in college. It's funny. I I infiltrated the Arizona Cardinals website today and they have a like a daily mailbag kind of thing, just like the Ozone John Osier section for the Jaguars. Right. Yeah. And this is this is the thing, man. Every fan of a team in the NFL is the absolute most fearful about their own team right we know our team well we know our players well we know their personal lives who's going through a divorce who just had a kid (laughs) (laughs) who's selling candles all right we know all this stuff and they i was kind of surprised to see them down on kyler murray who i mean looking ahead to the cardinals next week is is going to be the the biggest threat for us you know versus our defense but saying things similar to what you're saying about Trevor Lawrence, that he's got what they call like the the, the Brett Favre syndrome, where, <laughs> where where he's got receivers not entirely getting open, but he's got such confidence in being able to throw them open that he actually winds up making some bad decisions and throwing picks. So, I, is that is that what you would is that what you think is going on with Trevor right now? A little bit, but not exactly. I mean, we see Patrick Mahomes do this a lot too, right? He'll try to make a fantastic play and you know something crazy and it won't work out because really you're not supposed to make that play but he trusts his arm so much and he trusts his teammate but that comes with years I mean he's he did it you know early on in his career but it comes with chemistry and it comes with time like Trevor's not seeing the defenses correctly and he's having a really tough time with zone defense you can tell because that first drive Denver's playing all man and he was picking it apart right he was having a pretty easy time we go down and score we think you know, this is how the whole game is going to go. They start playing more zones and things got tricky for him. All right. So do you think, do you have any concerns with coaching uh, specifically around Trevor Lawrence? I mean, one of the big deals is, uh, is Urban Meyer, someone who breathes life into usually mediocre QBs or is Urban Meyer sort of a QB limiter? Do you think that there's anything to be worried about with Trevor Lawrence's development at the moment, or or does it seem to be going according to plan, interceptions included? I mean, I'm starting to think, remember how we talked about, you know, Tim Tebow would take the pressure off of 
Trevor Lawrence and there would be a lot of pressure on Trevor Lawrence. I think we are seeing that firsthand now because all over social media, you're seeing people trash Trevor and the Jaguars, but they're trashing Trevor Lawrence more because he was supposed to be some phenom, right? Like apparently the day he stepped on a football field in the NFL, he was meant to be great and he hasn't been. So I've seen a lot of criticism of him, but I don't think it's all his fault. I think the play calling could be better. I mean, if the receivers aren't winning on the outside, we got to scheme something up, you know, to get them open or else he's not going to have any success because he's trying to put it all on it on on his shoulders like he always has done. But it's it's not going the way he wanted wants it to. What what players had an upside this last Sunday on the offense or the defense or does it matter on on the Jacksonville Jaguars? (laughs) It's going to be a short list no matter what. Right. So um, I would say Rayshon Jenkins, both games, really, he's played really well. He stood out on the screen. I thought Tyson Campbell made one good play. I can't remember specifically right now. He was okay. I know he had to come in with CJ Henderson going down, right? Who else on the defensive end? Josh Allen, man. I mean, Josh Allen looks pretty good, but they keep dropping him back into coverage. I keep reading that too, and I kept seeing it on Sunday. Like, that's our best pass rusher, and he's dropping back into coverage, which we knew coming out of college that he could, you know, play coverage, but we don't need him for coverage right now. We need to get some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, thoughts on Cisco versus Wingard? Controversy. <laughs> oh, man. Dewey Wingard. He actually played a decent game, but, you know, we love to criticize him. Uh, I think his best moment was definitely uh, lifting uh, Josh Lambeau's head up, you know, chin up, soldier. <laughs> Just a hilarious moment. And then Josh Lambeau puts his head back down. But he played well. I think we all want to see Cisco out there, though. We need that ball hawk. With Wingard and Rayshon Jenkins, it feels like we don't have that ball hawk, you know, kind of safety. So it's like two safeties playing the same role almost. Uh, yeah, I'm still optimistic about our secondary. I, I don't know what it is, man. I just, I do like watching them. So even when they get burned, I still kind of, I like, I like, I like them. I feel like there's, they're on the cusp of some good chemistry this season. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, my main question is like, was trading Sidney Jones away a good idea? Uh, no. What do you think? I don't, but I don't know what that's what that's rooted in, right? We, that's the thing that we, you know, I just said we know everything about the Jaguars, but we really don't know what, what went on there. Seems like a bad move, but who knows why? I have no idea why. I think it was a really dumb move, especially how we played last season, man. We also just mentioned uh, our kicker, Josh Lambeau, who for the season is 0 for 3. He missed the field goal last week against the Texans and missed 2 this week against the Broncos. One of them... Just way off, just a total uh, <laughs> shank job. Yep. The other, the other closer, but I mean, he's visibly frustrated. And Urban Meyer's even being asked about it and saying that, hey, yeah, we're gonna stick with our kicker because I, I like Lambo and I've got a good history of sticking with kickers and then seeing them sort of like return to confidence and success. And then Urban said, for now. <laughs> we're gonna stick with him for now i'm like ooh, trouble in paradise here for josh lambo um definitely man i i actually heard uh baselli and their in their show you know they were talking about it and they're like anytime a coach is talking about a kicker you know saying i have confidence in him it's probably not a good thing if your coach is not talking about the kicker that's a good thing right because that means he's probably not doing anything wrong and I think that makes a lot of sense. So I do think Josh Lambeau's job is in jeopardy, which I hate to hear because he is one of my favorite players on the Jaguars. 
And, you know, something's going on there. It could be injury, personal life, lack of confidence. You know, I know a lot of kicking is in your head. So we'll see what happens. But one more game like this, I think they will get rid of him, to be honest. That's how it works in the NFL. Oh, man, I don't like this. I don't like this. I mean, you know, if you look at his career, all right, and I don't know if we have to start with FC Dallas. FC Dallas, hey. Dallas till we die. We're Dallas till we He's die. A goalkeeper, right? Yes. But then with the Chargers, before he joined the Jaguars, I mean, you're talking about how he just wasn't really reliable for them. And I think he had he like six misses on the year, two years in a row. Something like 26 field goals made out of 32 or something. Mm-hmm. Which isn't doesn't scream like absolute disaster, but definitely isn't as reliable as you'd want in the NFL. And then with the Jaguars, man, 2017, I forgot, 2017, four-year anniversary here coming up. He hits every field goal except one each season, right? 2017, 2018, I think 2019 was his insane year where he, didn't he make like something like over 30 field goals? I'm going to look that up here. Let's see. Oh, God. 33 out of 34. And then, you know, last year, the injury to see him miss three so far is pretty rough. And it's not just these regular season games. He was off in the preseason as well. I mean, there really seems to be something off with him. And it is heartbreaking to watch because he's one of those guys, just like, you know, Jaguars punters, (laughs) that we've at least had some people on special teams that make our team look semi-decent uh, when the other units aren't doing their job. So really, really sad, man. I mean, is there a way out? Like, do you think there's a way he can save it? Oh, I mean, of course there's a way he can save it. You got to make your field goals, right? Next game, actually. He's going to have to do it his next game. I mean, it sucks. A, l- a lot of casual fans don't know, like I told you at the bar, because someone was, you know, saying some random stuff, that he's been the second best kicker in the NFL the last four years i know he was hurt last year but those three years before that you mentioned his numbers are unreal they're almost better than justin tucker's actually who is really the golden boy of kicking in the nfl and maybe one of the best kickers to ever play the game and he was competing with him year after year after year i know his name probably got lost because the jaguars aren't a winning team but he is that good it just it it's a huge downfall I've, i've never seen this before I didn't think I would ever see this, to be honest. So sticking on special teams here, we, we do have an a, a positive highlight, which is Jamal Agnew taking it to the house on a, a huge return, kind of when the game was already out of reach. But what a gorgeous return. I mean, you were, we were watching the game at the Spar, and, and, and the, bar, the bar talk was fun. I mean, we were surrounded by not just a table, but the entire restaurant of Denver Broncos fans. This place was pretty huge, too. Yeah, um, you mentioned the Lambo thing. I think one of our friends was <laughs> saying like, "Oh, Lambo, this guy sucks." And I'm like, "You were at the game where he beat you two years ago, yeah. right? Like, you you do remember that moment?" Yeah, I don't know, man. That shit was. I mean, the game was already out of reach, but Agnew definitely gave us something to Duval about. <laughs> and you've been you've been hyping that up all all off season. You've been talking about how explosive he is, and for me, this is exciting, man. Like if. If he if he this year is again seen as a threat to take any kick return to the house, I mean that's that's got to factor into the opposing team's strategy, doesn't it? Oh yeah, it definitely does. It's it's a secret weapon, is what I call like a good kick returner or a punt returner. And we had this when we 
went to the AFC Championship game. We saw that with J uh, J Don Mickens, right? I know we let him go, and on the Buccaneers now, he is their punt returner, and he was excellent in that Dallas game, I remember. And he was their punt returner all last year. He's a Super Bowl champ now because of it, just off of returning. And that's kind of what Jamal Agnew brings you. I said it during the offseason. He is the best kick returner, punt returner in the league. We saw it in Detroit. And finally, he showed us. He took one out, and it was a beautiful return. And you said that the game was over. It wasn't really out of reach because... You know, we had a two-point conversion. That would have cut it to eight, and it's one possession game. We just needed a stop with six minutes left. You know, obviously, it's pretty unlikely. We get the stop, get the ball back, score, and another two-point. But the game was not over at that point, so it was a big play. You just went through seven variables, that none of which we actually hit. So, <laughs> yes, it was It was not, like, mathematically over at the moment that he returned the, the kickoff. But. <laughs> Um, but yeah, overall, man, I think the reason why it, it just felt more over than it maybe realistically was is is that we hadn't mustered up anything impressive ever since that first drive. So, you know, watching the Ravens um, with your favorite player, Lamar Jackson, um, play the Chiefs on Sunday night, you watch these two teams go at it and the commentators like from like the first touchdown are saying shit about how like, yep, going to be a shootout tonight. It's going to be whoever has the ball last, you know, and. Sure enough, man, these teams, they're, they're, they can almost score at will, and we're not even near that. Ah, isn't it depressing, like, watching other football games and just watching offenses move up and down the field, scoring points on, you know, one out of every three possessions or whatever it might be, you know? They're scoring, and for us, we've had to deal with three and outs for the last 10 years, aside from one year, right? It's just it's very bizarre. I mean... And you're feeling so good after the first drive. You know, they say you script your first 15 plays, right, on offense. And things were looking good after that first drive, man. I was feeling very confident. I was like, we have a 7-0 lead. If we can maybe stop them, we have a chance here. And we did hold them to a field goal the next possession. So things were looking good, man. And really, we should have had a lead going into the half if it wasn't for Josh Lambeau missing those kicks. But, you know, I still think we would have lost the game at the end of the day. The offense couldn't move the ball. Yeah, I do. I did enjoy getting the live said commentary at the bar as we're both like standing up amid the whole sea of people here for scripting the first 15 plays offensively. I love that. And then also even on the kickoff return, you're talking about, you know, if if the returner misses the first guy, OK, looking up. Right. But misses the second person, he might be gone. And that was the case, really. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, dude, it's like mentioned these three and outs i mean that's a pretty low place to be in right that's our expectation i mean i've i've kind of found myself sometimes watching a three and out and and being satisfied inside that at least we didn't throw a pick i mean how how low is that (laughs) you're in a you're in a bad place that's a a dark place to be in to be honest (laughs) yes we made it to the punter hey uh logan cook looks pretty good this year by the way oh yeah man that guy was booming him he averaged 56.8 yards a punt out of four punts on sunday Looking ahead to next week as we wrap up here, do you see us mustering up better offense? I mean, I feel like, you know, week one wasn't terrible in terms of offense. It was mostly some bad interceptions that were drive killers. And then week two, we've got this issue of receivers getting open, but I'm sure we'll work on it. I mean, we're kind of in this back and forth, you know, reactionary kind of improvement style for, for several weeks here this season. So, I mean, do you, can you, is it realistic to say like, hey, we might see a lot more offensive production against the Cardinals? I would hope so. Just because we, we knew going into that game that Denver defense is really good. That pass rush can get there, which shout out to the offensive line one time, right? They were excellent, I thought. 
I mean, I don't know like if they were, you know, technically sound and everything, but it looked like Trevor Lawrence had forever to throw. I know they were dropping people back into coverage and zones, but I mean, there was clean pockets out there. Trevor just had to find the open man. It seems like he couldn't. So props to them. I saw Cam Robinson. I saw a little clip of him missing a terrible block on the on an outside toss to James Robinson. So that was embarrassing. And did he get pulled out of the game? Oh, man, I didn't notice. Yeah. I think he might have. But um, that Cardinals defense, man, that Cardinals defense is not as good. They have one of the best safeties in the league, and they have one of the best pass rushers in the league, though, and that's what you have to worry about. And they have J.J. Watt now as well. And they have J.J. Watt, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would hope to see some offensive production this game a lot more than you know against the Broncos yeah I mean the funny thing is come on you've been talking about the offensive line I mean I feel like for all of our position groups we're just like one bad game away from everybody on them on Twitter again <laughs> right oh definitely I mean building some consistency that goes for everybody on the team is something that's going to be really important at this at this point and sometimes consistency just means preventing disaster so <laughs> let's hope the Jaguars can prevent disaster <laughs> this uh, coming Sunday I'm pumped to watch as always, man. Not going to lie. I'm, I am enjoying these games. Me too. I am too. <laughs> I am as well. Hopefully we stick in this one with more of a chance uh, deeper into it. And whenever that first win comes this season, dude, the, the f- floodgates are going to open. I think so too. I, I, the light bulb is going to go on for, every, for one person. And then that whole locker room will come together with the win, I think. It'll be huge. Especially depending on who you beat, right? Yeah. If it comes against the... Chiefs. We're not playing the Chiefs, though. No, Seahawks, though. So maybe a team like that. Yeah. Seahawks would be up there. Yeah, we'll we'll be back next week. And thanks for joining this episode of the Drunken Jaguar. This is a podcast of the SB Nation and uh, Big Cat Country Network. We'll look forward to keeping you up to date with our thoughts on the next game. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Junkin Dragwar. And until then... Go Jaguars. We still love you, Jaguars. We still love you.